You are listening to The Fox, a podcast novel written and read by Arlene Radaski. Chapter 9, Jana, 75 A.D., May, June The oak fires of Beltane were cold, the home fires cleansed and restarted, the proper sacrifices made and rituals observed. Laverne had seen his fox bitch with two new pups this spring, so all was well in his mind. Mine was dark with foreboding. In it lay a heaviness that did not allow recognition. Twelve bloody moons had passed since our marriage. I slept with mistletoe under my head, and making a sacrifice to the god Lug often crossed my mind. Laverne had not voiced any concern about my not being with child. He told me what the gods wanted to happen would happen in their time. I was the impatient one. My mother requested, no, demanded, a grandchild. I hoped to give her one before she died. My mother, at forty sun cycles, was one of the last of her generation. All her childhood friends were gone, and she bemoaned it every day. Gray now streaked her bronze hair, and her blood cough caused her to lose strength. She wasted eating only soup. I worried that I would not be able to ease her pain. She had coughed blood last month, even with our treatments. I knew from the experience of the others that we could not stop the course of the illness, but I hoped we could slow it. We made her comfortable. I was selfish and did not want her to go before she held my child. I used this to explain the darkness in my mind. Bethan passed thirty-eight sun cycles and was now the oldest among his warriors. He swore he had not lost any strength. However, he walked slower and sometimes could not count hogs in a pen at a distance the way he used to. Streaks of white ran through his beard. He had shades of gray near his ears he tried to hide when liming his hair. The somnier of our clan was almost sixty sun cycles and revered. A grandmother many times over, she revealed stories of her youth during our festivals. My father and brother died in battle against other clans. My first husband's head hung off the rail of an enemy's war chariot the fourth summer we were married. She always started her tales with these sad memories. You complain of hardships, but you do not know of those we suffered when we were young. The snowstorms in her youth were fiercer than ours, and the stream flooded every year. Bethan's peace had made you soft. You may come to regret not having to stay fit by fighting every day, she told us. She could not walk. Carried to the festivals, they said she was as light as a seed. She ate food that someone else chewed. Her breasts hung to her waist, and her face was lined with the tracks of many sorrows. Her hair, still long and plaited on top of her head, in our fashion, was the color of the wispy clouds that came before a rain. Goddess be blessed, her mind was clear. She and I spoke often. She had, in her memory, many cures from the old times. Sometimes when we were together she sat and stared at me. Why do you look at me so, grandmother? I see no age in your face. It is the face of a youth. No age lines like mine. I see no 
age lines in your future, she said. Always be at peace with our gods. You will not live long. I shivered. I have lived through nineteen growing seasons. How many more would the gods give me? A doll was called after our last Sawain. All the valley clans attended the meeting. Laverne and Bethan represented our clan. It was there Laverne learned that the seagrass harvest on the coast brought in several rare kinds this year, and that the tradesman who brought these to us died on his last trip. Laverne wanted to go gather the seagrass. We had many uses for it, thick neck, aching of the joints, sick stomach, aches of the head, and the expelling of afterbirth. There were healing quartz stones on the beaches as well. I have not seen the sea from this coast. I would like to go and gather as much as two ponies can carry. If I stay long enough to dry it before packing, I can bring more home. I cannot go, I said. Mother is not well, and there are the plants that are ready to harvest here that I must take care of. The winter rain stopped early, and we will lose the plants in bloom if not gathered now. We need the seaweed. You must go. I ask that you take Brayden with you for companionship, and another sword if needed. I am afraid. The Romans are beginning to cross the line they have not crossed before. It is true, you will be headed away from them, but you do not know who might meet you in the dark. My wish is not to fight, but you are right. It is auspicious to have three to go. I will ask Bethan for Colum also to accompany Brayden and me. Bethan was reluctant to let another warrior or pony leave his stable. He asked me whether I foresaw any battles in our clan future that might require the warriors Laverne requested. I dreamed a badger was overtaken by a bear and two wolves. The dream ended with much blood, but the badger lay dead and three ponies were on the trail leading to our clan, I responded. I saw the future more often now. I accepted it as another gift from the gods. Mm, said Bethan. There will be a fight. But if you saw the badger taken by a bear, then good. I am the bear. I never lose a battle. My sons and other warriors who live under the sign of the wolf will be here. Brayden and Callum have other signs. They can go. Druid, take three ponies. Use your own backs to carry supplies or find a way to trade for another pony he growled and lumbered away to attend the clan council. To cross the mountains, gather and dry the seagrass, you will be gone at least three moons. You need something to trade for food and supplies. Take the blue dye and iron pin I use for tattoos. Copy the patterns and the spirals from our labyrinth that I tattooed on you, Brayden, and Column. The symbols will be unknown where you go. I traced one up his arm. Warriors and others will want these and other animal symbols. If you tattoo a chieftain or a high warrior, you can trade for a pony and come home faster. Bags filled with dried pork, barley, and bitter vetch to quell hunger barely gave room to sit on the three smallest ponies from Bethan's herd. When I saw the size of the ponies, I went to Bethan. He told me that Laverne was lucky to get them, and if I complained again, he would find even those small ponies lame and unable to travel. Uncle, you are a very stubborn man. We have done much to help your clan, our clan. Laverne is going on this journey to gather healing plants, and yet you do not wish to make the trip easy. If you become ill in the middle of the night, remember that I sleep deeply and will not get up until the sun does. I slammed his door as I left. His laughter and I never become ill followed me. Braden, 
the warrior I fawned after like a puppy in my youth, and Column, gathered at our door at dawn on the next morning. I studied Braden and compared the differences between him and Laverne. Braden was much thicker around his waist now, and his nose always red. These were signs of much mead every day. He was noisy and was always fighting. He was a good warrior, but not a good husband. Laverne had passed twenty-three sun cycles. His body was lean. Quiet, he often meditated. He drank mead sparingly and ate lightly. He and I kept many long hours, but our energy did not lag. He was the perfect mate for me. The sun peeked over the top of the mountain behind Laverne, and his hair glistened with the red gold of its light. I handed him the small jug of blue woad dye, stoppered with a piece of oak branch, and my sharp iron pin. It was threaded into a piece of my plaid. Keep these near your heart. They will remind you of me through the long nights you are gone. Ah, Jana, I have traveled before and have never forgotten you. Do not my homecoming nights wrapped in your arms prove that? My body sometimes remembers even when I should be thinking of other things. This is the longest time I will be gone, but I will return to you. I smiled, my throat catching my breath, not allowing me to speak. I swallowed my tears. He pulled a small leather bag from his tunic. I made this for you. You will have our labyrinth with you always. Your stone is beautiful but too large to carry, he said, smiling. It was fashioned after his memory bag. The labyrinth was smaller but more detailed than his. I clutched it close to my heart and bit the tip of my tongue tasting blood so I would not cry and spot it with tears of loneliness. I drew my dirk, raised it to the hair that fell around his shoulders and cut off a curl. A lock of my own raven black hair joined his. I mixed them together until his gold sparkled amid mine. I kissed it and then handed half to him. We opened our memory bags and placed the precious token inside. We will be near each other always, I said. He gathered me into his arms, his nose buried in my hair, my head filling with his scent and whispered, Your hair smells of the heather in our beds. If you need me, I will feel you. Dream of me, Jana. Ask me and I will come. Just dream. He mounted his restless pony, turned, and said, Do not be at odds with Bethan. He is stubborn like you, but he is my friend, and he has given us much. I nodded. He rode to the gate where Braden and Colum were waiting, and the three trotted down the trail, away from me. Laverne had been gone one full cycle of the moon. Twenty-eight sunrises. I counted his absence by sunrises because each greeted me after another restless night without him. I worked hard to pass the days. Silius told me we needed to resupply our meadow suite. The deceptive meadow suite cursed in my memories. I could not smell or think on it after this day without gagging. Its creamy blossoms, though sweet-scented, when crushed released a strong odor. It was used to relieve headaches, fevers, and pain. The flower was blooming in the meadow near the creek at the edge of the forest. I had been there often, but never ventured further. It was a full day's ride from the hill. Bethan gave me the use of one of his older ponies, a mare that gave birth to many strong colts. I was not in a hurry, and her gentle ride would help pass the time. I was ready to spend the night there, alone, and ride back the next day. If Bethan had known I was going alone, he would not have allowed me to go. 
I told my mother I would be home for the next day's evening meal and put some dried pork and bread in my pocket. It was a warm day. I did not take my cape, but dressed in the green dress Laverne said turned my eyes mistletoe green. I smiled at the thought and slung my memory bag over my shoulder. At the meadow I tied the pony on a bush near the creek. There was long grass for her to nibble. The day was beautiful. The harvested flowers gifted the air with the aroma of cleanliness. I filled and tied my cloth. Finches flitted from branch to branch on the edge of the meadow in a great chorus of feeding. My pony joined in the sounds of nature surrounding us. She gave a soft, contented whinny. I arched up, my arms stretched over my head to the blue sky, and took in a deep breath. The warmth of the sun filled the air. Overhead, I followed the hunting glide of a falcon. Sometimes I likened my passage dreams and visions to being able to fly like a falcon. When I had passage dreams, I was out of my earth body and able to go great distances unencumbered. I gave thanks to Morigna. I had one regret. I wished to share this day with Laverne. When my right leg gave way, I fell to the ground. Not understanding what happened, I looked at my leg and saw an arrow piercing my thigh from back to front. How did it get there? Swift pain took my breath and senses away, and then I smelled him. The rancid stench of rotting eggs and piss blanketed me, and I vomited. Bitch, that is no way to greet your master. The first time I felt him, there was more pain. He grabbed my long hair and jerked my head back. He stood above me, the bow and unused arrows in his other hand. I had a quick view of a short, unkempt man. My last sight before I fainted was his black, bearded, grimy face, broken with a sneer. I woke to the jolting gait of my mare. I was loaded across her back and tied ankles to hands under her belly. I groaned as I tried to move my head around to clean air. My leg burned as nothing I had ever felt before. I saw blood dripping from my foot and knew my wound was bleeding. Shut up, bitch. Do not cry out. It will not help you. I felt a sharp pain behind my ear and then nothing. The sickening, rocking motion had stopped. I was off my pony and lying on the ground. I smelled the earth as well as the foulness of the man. I tried not to move as I slowly opened my eyes. The light was dim, but I could see a hollow under an overhang of a hillside. He had built a wall of branches and logs. As I looked further, I saw I was alone, so I tried to move. My leg pounded and I had an intense thirst. My mouth was sticky. The arrow was gone from my leg. I had treated a similar wound in a warrior's leg who had been shot while hunting. The arrow was not difficult to remove. He lived. I had hope. My bone was not broken, but I could not move my leg without the risk of fainting from the pain and restarting the bleeding. It was wrapped in a dirty rag. I prayed blood poison would not take hold, but in this hut poison thrived. A thought ran through my head. I might not live long enough for blood poison to be a worry. My hands were tightly bound in front of me with a braided cord tied to an iron ring and attached to a peg in the ground. I tugged, but it was secure. Startled, I watched as the corner of the wooden wall lifted and the man crawled in. You are awake. Good. I want you to feel what I do to you. 
I tried to roll away and fold my knees into my belly, but I cried out at the sharp stab of fire like pain. I watched in horror as he came closer. Don't worry, bitch. You will not need to move. I will move for both of us, he said with a yellow grin. The dim light filtered in through the wooden wall, but it was enough for me to see him. Long, greasy, mouse-brown hair covered his head. The angular bones of his narrow eye sockets jutted out above a beard that hid the lower part of his face. His lips were barely visible through the tangle. His pitted and scabbed nose ended in a point. He panted through his open mouth, and I saw the holes of missing teeth. I smelled rot in his breath as he drew closer. He used his gnarled and filthy hands to drag himself across the dirt to me, he carried my small dirk clasp in one hand, and the other, open on the ground, had only three fingers and a thumb. The first finger of that hand was missing, gone at the joint. I recognized that sign. He was a slave. You are mine. I am owed, oozed out of his mouth. Burning bile rose into my throat as he crept closer, like a venomous snake. Never before was I this afraid. I had no way to protect myself and would become his victim. I knew the deep fear of feeling lost, the fear of a soul dying alone. He was on me. I could not move. His filth-encrusted body rose to half-sitting as he reached over and cut off the green dress that Laverne loved. I screamed and writhed, and he hit my face with a closed fist. His rough hands covered my breasts. The bitches at the camp were not like you dirty camp followers. They gave themselves to whoever had money or food, not loyal to anyone. You I will not share. His mouth covered my breast and I screamed as he bit me. He struggled to get his ragged tunic above his waist and when he had it tucked into his belt, he forced his knees between my bare thighs. The only covering I had now was the filthy bandage around my wound. I could see his swollen penis as he held it in his hand, ready to force it into me. No, 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 Morigna, protect me! I cried and tried to squirm away. My tied wrists and his body weight stopped me. The goddess must have been sleeping. She did not come. His full thrust into me and his weight on my wound pushed me into oblivion. It was dark when I became aware again. I heard him snoring in a corner of the hollow, the cave filled with the acrid smell of his piss and rotting teeth. I rolled to my side and vomited again. Only bile came, as I had not eaten or drunk for many hours. I had no hunger, but my thirst was overwhelming. I knew it came because of the loss of blood. My swollen hands and joints began to ache from not being able to move freely. I was desolate, without hope. Abandonment. Thoughts of no rescue fueled the fire of my fear. I had no idea how far we were from the clan and did not know whether my blood left a trail to follow. Then I remembered my labyrinths, both my stone and the bag Laverne gave me. A hollow feeling of loss twisted my gut when I realized I might never see my memory bag again. If I stayed at this level of consciousness, I feared I would lose my mind. I had to escape. I brought my painted stone into my mind. I pictured the red and blue path surrounded by nature as I had painted it. I placed my forefinger on the path and followed as it led to the center, back out, 
and then in again. My breath calmed and my muscles relaxed. Sudden wavelets of fear ripped through me, but I was able to contain them to allow myself to fall into a light sleep. I had some control over myself. He had taken my body, but could not capture my mind. The sun rose. I was still alive. He sat near me, drinking from a flask. Please, I croaked, my voice dust in my throat. May I drink? He threw the flask to me, and I grabbed it with my swollen hands, barely able to hold it. Two swallows of water were all he gave me. He laughed and again crawled to me. I screamed as he bit my other nipple. I can have you any time. I am as good as those cursed Romans and their whores, he said as he lifted his bare buttocks over me. He was ready and groaned and pushed into me. His thrusts were uneven and shallow at first, but as he continued they became faster and deeper. His weight crushed the air out of me and caused my leg to pound. My eyes closed and I tried to fly like a falcon. I begged the gods to let me escape. When he was done he lifted off me, his penis small and drooling. He rolled back to his corner and sat up. Please, more water. My wound, I need to drink, I whispered. He lifted the corner of the wall that was his door and left. In a few minutes he brought back the flask and gave it to me. It was full, and I drank it all. I vomited. Gods curse you! This place is small enough without your messes. He untied the cord from the iron ring, leaving it attached to my wrists. He tugged and I crawled, forced to move like a worm, leaving the tatters of my green dress behind. He was unhappy at how slow I moved, and when we were outside, was angry. You are not worth all this trouble. I will kill you soon and leave. The Romans are not far away. They will find me if I stay. He tied me to another iron-ringed peg, pounded into the ground near the cave entrance. If my clansmen find you first, there will be nothing for the Romans to find. He stood up and kicked me in the stomach. Shut up, bitch! I vomited again and fainted. He was on me when I awoke. Finished, he rolled off, stood, and pissed. I don't know why he told me bits of his story. I hated his voice and wished he would choke while he talked. His voice was gravel in my ears. I was once a great warrior for Queen Boudicea, Laverne's queen, I realized. When she killed herself, I tried to escape, but they caught me and cut off my finger. Was his story supposed to make me feel sympathy for him? It did not. If I could have reached my dirk, I would have cut his throat and drunk his blood with no regrets. I shoveled Roman horseshit. Me, a warrior. I hate them. One night, the guard drank too much. I got hold of his dirk, slit his gut, and ran. I have been running for days, hunting and eating when I could. I built this shelter. When I was hunting, I found the best game of all. You. Now it is time to go. I will not leave you, but you will slow me too much. Pity. You are beautiful and a good fuck. He was done pissing, but started to rub himself. He was getting stiff again. I forced myself to think. Something echoed in my head. He would not stray far from his protective cover to hunt. We were not far from the meadow. There was a chance of discovery. My soul lifted. 
I knew now I had a chance to live. Hope began to rekindle. He laid on me again, and I bit his ear. The metallic taste of his blood heightened my thirst. He pressed my dirk next to my cheek and threatened to slice my eyes if I did it again. He pushed into me, and I traced my labyrinth in my mind. The second night, I started shivering. Still outside, I lay on the cold ground. The skin near my wound was red-streaked. Blood poison. My body was heating from inside. My goddess was warring with my soul. I concentrated on my labyrinth and Laverne. I must not cross the river of death yet. I would die if I did not get away soon. My mind, deep in meditation with the labyrinth, allowed the shivering of my illness to take over my body. The third day, he gave me just enough water to keep me alive, nothing more. My soul came to the top of my body to cross the deep and fast river twice. To let go and cross the river of death would have been easy. No, said the goddess, you cannot go. You have more pain to live through for me. You have more to sacrifice. I will not let you go yet, she told me. My blood poisoned, pus odor mixed with his putrid fungus smell, and I flew into my passage dream with that stench of rot in my nose. Three small ponies stood, shuffling their feet on the sand. Column and Braden packed bags of dried seaweed. Then I knew. I was in Laverne. Marigna granted me one last wish. Startled by my visit, Laverne hesitated and sat on the beach with his eyes closed. It was different this time. I gave him my message. I sent him my fear. I relayed my anguish. I begged for his rescue. I cried for his return. My pain tore through his heart, and when he opened his eyes, I heard him tell Braden and Colum, Go for the ferryman! We must leave the island now! He ran to his pony. I left his mind. Laverne knew my dream was over. Time stopped. On what I learned later was the third day, a vision appeared. A giant bear stood tall over me, growling. His fangs glistened. He dropped to all four feet and called my name. How could a bear know my name? Jana, do not speak. I am here to take you home. You are safe, the bear said. My mind was not clear. Who was here? Bethan? I remember the man telling me he was going hunting and would be back soon. My voice would not come. There was no moisture in my body. I could not speak more than a frog's croak. Bethan's dirk slipped under the cord tying my hands, and the sky behind him exploded. Sound and motion rushed in, and Bethan caught on his knees, twisted away from me into a man who would kill him. Bethan fought using the dirk. He lunged forward. His dirk plunged into the triangle between the man's legs, cutting the tool that had done so much damage to me. I screamed with the pleasure of seeing the blood and pain of this animal that had tortured me. The shrieking man straightened and raised his sword. Bethan tried to stand and stumbled. He was half-crouched when the sword swooped down. The world fell silent for a breath. Then a victory screech tore into my ears. Bethan's blood washed over me. His body fell to one side and his head to the other. 
I stared into his eyes as his soul crossed. For an instant, I was without thought. How could our chieftain, our Kian Kirik, my brave uncle, be dead? But he was. I closed my eyes and prayed. Keridwen, take our Kian Kirik. He was brave in battle. Make his crossing easy. I could not think of more to say. The trees around me came to life. Our clan war cries, branches, and blood rained down. Finley and Kenrick were here. They sliced the man into small pieces before he fell into the ground. His blood mixed with Bethan's on my body. His dead eyes stared into Bethan's, and my world changed. The next time I woke, I smelled puffball fungus, a clean, healing smell. Its spores fought blood poison in wounds such as mine. I was laying on a bed in our hospice. Silius bent over me. Tears coursed down her face as she raised my head to sip the tea she held to my lips. Drink it. It will help you sleep. It is what is best for you now. Do not remember. Just sleep. Bethan, I whispered after I took a sip of the warm elixir. He thought he alone could rescue you. He told Finley and Kenrick to wait. It cost him his life, but he died in battle. His head was buried with his body, so his soul has crossed. He is at the long table of chieftains, ready to fight for the right to carve the joint and drink his fill of mead, she said, crying as she spoke. My eyes closed, and his dead face filled my mind. May you find peace, Bethan. I owe you my soul. I will honor you, I prayed. My memory bag? Here. She put it into my hands. I trembled as I opened it and slipped my fingers inside. Our hair was still mingled. I pulled it out, and the light picked up the bronze glitter of Laverne's hair. He's coming, I said and smiled, my heart beating fast at the thought. She helped me get our tangled locks of hair back into the bag and I held it close to my heart. She bade me sleep. I held my bag up to see the labyrinth. This pattern kept me from leaving my body and dying. I followed its trail with my finger as every muscle in my body relaxed, aided by the drink. One small vision appeared before I slept. I held my baby up to the skies. I heard her cry. I prayed, Please let it be Laverne's child. Do not let the monster leave a mark. Please join me again for another chapter of The Fox by Arlene Rodasky. Now enjoy the music of Steve McDonald's song, Fly, from the album Legend. His music can be found at www.etherean.com who, along with Steve, have allowed me to use the music in my podcasts. Learn more about me at www.radasky.com. I can see no end to sorrow, only answers as they come to
Thanks. 